Amen. Let's say that wonderful name one more time together, the name of Jesus. Would you say it with me? Jesus. What a name. What a joy it is to worship him with you this morning. So good to see each and every one of you. Good morning to you. If it's your first time here, my name is Kyle, and I want to welcome you, and we're so glad to see each and every one of you uh, here with us today. Um, if you are a prayer and you've ever prayed for something for a really long time and waited, uh, you know what that feels like to ask God for something over and over again. Maybe even something you know God wants, and he holds out, and he waits for his timing. And I uh, just want you to know that we've had an answer to prayer here at our church that we're so excited to share with you. Uh, we've been praying for well over a year for God to provide uh, the right man to help our church join our team of pastors and help our older adults find and follow Jesus. And God has, we believe, identified this person, and we're so excited. I want to give his name to you. His name is Roger Taylor. Some of you may know of him. Uh, he and his wife, Sheila, were actually members of our church for a short time a few years ago. Roger's been pastoring for over 40 years. He and his wife, Sheila, have been married for over 40 years, and we are just so excited. They're going to be with us next week. You're going to be able to meet them, and then we're hopefully going to affirm them to that role on March the 10th. So we're just so excited, and we praise God for that answer to prayer, and so uh, just praise God for that. Now on to our topic today, breathing room. All right, everybody, just go ahead, take a moment, take a deep breath in and out. Maybe you needed that after that worship set, right? Julie, I don't know how you have that much air in your lungs, young lady. Aren't you thankful for people like that that lead us in worship? Just give them a hand. Thank you. Um, and I know that you know that everybody up here is just up here to lift up the name of Jesus, and we appreciate them so very much. But every now and then, we need to take a deep breath, and we need to find some breathing room when it comes to this topic, when it comes to this issue, when it comes to this reality called Money. We began this series last week, just a two-week series on money. Now, when it comes to breathing room and needing money, I was it rained a lot this last week. I was driving around, and I saw this sign in one of our church members' yard. Let's see right here. <laughs> Somebody needs some breathing room, right? Y'all pray for me. Y'all pray for me. Um, last week we asked you how many of you have in, in the past or maybe currently have had or are having financial stress in your life. All right, everybody in the second service, this service raised your hand. Everybody except for one in the first service raised their hand. And I noticed that individual not raise their hand, so I had them come up and preach because they got it all figured out, right? They never had any issue. Most of us have had issues some of us have had big issues and big problems when it comes to finances, looking for some breathing room and just trying to get our nose above water, if you will. So as we talk about money today, maybe it's your first time to church here, maybe it's your first time to church in a while, I want to preface all this to know that ultimately the reason why we are talking about money is because we care about you and Jesus cares about you. It's the reason why... We talk about hard subjects like sin, and it's the reason why we talk about hard subjects like money. Jesus died for your sin, and Jesus speaks into our lives as his followers about every area of our lives, including our finances. And if you read the New Testament, in particular the Gospels, which are the stories that we see of Jesus, he spent at least 25% of his time talking about money and how we relate with it and interact with it in our lives. 
When it comes to finances and this idea of breathing room, can you imagine what if you finally had some breathing room when it came to money? What if when you thought about your money and your finances, the overwhelming feeling that you got was peace? What a place that would be. To think about your budget and your stuff and, and just to have this overwhelming flow of peace over you. I believe that Jesus wants you to have peace in your life. I think he wants you to have peace even in the area of finances. Last week we gave you five must-dos for you to start experiencing breathing room. They're going to be in your notes. We're going to put them on the screen again. We'd love for you to put them down. If you missed last week, we want you to catch these. If you were here last week, maybe you've been thinking about some of these and you need to decide which one of these five is really where you need to be right now. But number one, you need to talk to God. You need to talk to God about your money. Some of you have prayed these prayers like that one on the sign there. You know, God help me, you know, to get more money. Maybe you need to ask him what to do with the money that you are currently receiving. When's the last time you said, God, I want your wisdom. I want your direction in my life when it comes to my money. Or are you in this camp where you're like, well, it's my money. I can do with it whatever I want to do. How's that working out for you? Talk to God. Have a conversation with him. He says so much in his word about money. Second thing is to trust God. Some of you, God is telling you what you need to do. He's giving you guidance. He's giving you direction, maybe even something through last week's sermon or just the conversations you've been having about money through his word this week, and God's guiding you and directing you. I want to encourage you to trust God and say yes to him in whatever his plan is for you. Third thing, you need to set a budget. You need to have a plan, and just as important as having a plan, you need number four, you need to stay on a plan. You need to stay on a budget. How many of you have ever set a budget and not kept that budget? Bunch of us, right? You have to create a plan, and you have to work the plan. We want you to do that. And then this fifth thing is to be generous, to be generous, just to be a giving individual. Um, it's just a good place to be. We ask you to pose this question over the last week, and if you've been wrestling with it, I wonder if God's been speaking anything to you, sharing anything with you, showing you anything, and that question is this, God, how would you have me manage the resources that you entrust to my care? Now, if you've posed this question to God, you've done several things. You've started talking to God about your money. That's a good, good thing. You've also made it clear with this question that you believe that God is your provider and that you just get to manage what he gives you. That's a good, good thing. And you are beginning to trust God to the point that you're telling him, speak into my life in the area of finances. But if you've posed this question of last week, God, how would you have me manage the resources that you entrust to my care? I wonder what he has been telling you. Well, that was last week's question. I want to give you this week's question, and that is this. What if giving is the key to breathing room? What if giving is the key to breathing room? Now, if giving is not the key to breathing room, we figure out, nope, that's not the answer. Well, then just don't give. Don't be a generous person. Be stingy. Be selfish. Go that route. Go for it. But if, if giving is the key to breathing room, if that is the answer, we need to lean into this whole beautiful, glorious, God-given idea of generosity and giving. By the way, there are many words to describe 
God. One of those words that we can use to describe God is generous, okay? Now, you might be thinking in terms of money right now, so be it, fine. Let's shift it a little bit deeper. God loves you so much that he what gave, John 3.16, what? His one and only son. Reach deeper into your pocket than that. Gave his one and only son. What if giving is the key to breathing room? Well, I want us to look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Um, it's going to be on the screen. We encourage you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Here's what it says. Give and you will what? Give and you will what? Notice that this is in Scripture, this is the Word of God, and in particular, these are the words of Jesus. So God in the flesh is speaking these words, and he says to me, he says to you, he says to his followers then, he says to his followers now, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Can we agree? That's just a really good verse of Scripture, right? I mean, even if you don't believe the Bible, that's one you want to, like, believe in right there. Like, I like that one. Now, here we believe all of Scripture. Okay, we believe the easy parts and we believe the hard parts. But this is one of those. It's just kind of like a softball. Like, yeah, I like that one. And properly applied and used in our lives, we see the principles and promises of God come alive in our life. But this is also one of those verses that if we're not careful, we might misuse and or abuse, and we do not want to do that. At the same time, I want to read what it said. Again, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, Shaken together to make room for more. Yesterday we were fixing a basketball goal, filling it up with sand, and we had to keep, you know, had to keep shaking it and, you know, getting it down in there so we get to make room for more, make room for more. Here's what it says. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Some of you are swimming in money in your head right now. You were like, woo! Man, I'm going to start giving. I'm going to start getting. It's going to be good, right? I mean, you're like taking a bath in money right now. It's like a whole spa of money, right? I mean, it's quite the mental picture going on here that he's giving us in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Um, I want to give this to you. It's in your notes. It's going to be on screen. I think it's so important as we think about this verse, okay? We shouldn't give to get. We should give to give. Trust God with the get. It's really good grammar, right? But it's true. We shouldn't give to get. We should give to give. Trust God with the get. In other words, just give because that's what you need to do, should to do, should do, and want to do. And just trust God that He is going to bless, provide. Uh, resupply however he chooses. That's how we have to approach this thing in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. It's very important as you read Luke chapter 6 verse 38 that your motives, your attitudes, and your desires are correct. Again, if you're reading Luke chapter 6 verse 38 as your get-rich-quick program, you are totally missing the point and the heart of this whole deal. Jesus is speaking to his followers 
is like, hey, I want you to be like me, and I want you to experience what I've got for you. I want you to be a giver, and as you are a giver, I'm going to respond to you with generosity back to you, and I'm going to do it in a way that you cannot even comprehend, but it's up to him to do that. This is not a, I'm going to give, and now, God, you've got to give this to me, or you've got to give that to me. It's, God, I'm just going to be generous, and then you do whatever you want to do because I trust that you are going to respond the way that you have told me you're going to respond, and that's with faithfulness. So i got a story that I want to share with you. Um, it's a story that, honestly, this week, as I was thinking about it, I just about said, nope, I'm not going to do it. And the reason why I thought about and really felt hard about not uh, sharing it with you is because it's my story. And then God, while I was kind of pretty much determining I'm not going to tell this story, God thumped me on the back of the head. You ever had God thump you on the back of the head? All right, I've had God thump me on the back of the head. He did this week, and he thumped me on the back of the head, and he said, it's not your story, it's my story, his story. So what I'm about to share with you is not my story, it's his story. It's just me getting to live out a little bit of his story. So let me take you back just a little bit uh, to 2008. Terry and I were married, and we had one child, and we were living in West Millis. All right? Uh, we had lived there. I had lived there 11 years. We had lived there together as a married couple for a few years. And uh, if you've never, like, been to West Memphis, you probably don't get it. Um, if you've been to West Memphis, you kind of get it. If you've lived in West Memphis, you know what I'm getting with, right? We lived in West Memphis, all right? Um, there we were. Uh, if, if, you can, if you can live in West Memphis and love Jesus, you can live anywhere and love Jesus. That's what I've, that's what I've realized, okay? We were living in West Memphis, and we were loving Jesus. We were. And God was being good. I was at a church there. I'd been there 11 years at the church, and, and we watched God do amazing things, and, and we just uh, truly loved Living there, as crazy as that sounds out loud. Um, well, anyway, in the spring of 2008, we found ourselves with child, child number two. And we had been, I believe, quite wise and even generous with what God had blessed us with as far as financial resources during this portion of our lives. We were really committed to being frugal and, and saving and giving and and, and hammering debt and just getting everything out of the way. And, and so we had been saving money, all right? You, you've heard of, like, baby mama? Well, this was baby money that we were saving. We were saving money for our baby, and there we were collecting these funds, getting it all together because we got a baby on the way. And then God threw a curveball at us. You ever had God throw a curveball at you? He tends to do that sometimes. I don't mean to scare you. I'm just trying to, like, speak in reality. Like, God sometimes does things that you don't expect. God definitely does some things that don't make any sense. Well, anyway, this curveball came, and in the spring of 08, there we are with child. We got one and one on the way, and God, God makes it clear to us that our time in West Memphis is done. Now, some of you may say, hallelujah, praise Jesus, revival's breaking out, you get to leave West Memphis, but it was one of the hardest decisions of my life to say, okay, God, you're right, I need to step away from the leadership that I'm in in this church and go on to whatever next that you have for me. Now, here's the deal. When God made that clear to us, he did not make it clear to us what was next. It got really complicated at this point. I don't know if you've ever tried to go throughout life without a paycheck, but I'll just tell you from firsthand experience, it's rather difficult. So we rocked along, waiting on God in obedience. By the way, let me tell you something, something I've learned about obedience. 
grappling with obedience in our walk with Christ because it's going to cost us something. But I'm here to tell you, if Jesus tells you to do it, you should do it regardless of what it is going to cost you. You have to trust God, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's relationship, whatever it is that God's telling you to do that it's going to cost you, I'm telling you, go ahead and obey him because it's better plan than you have, even though it doesn't make any sense sometimes. So there we were. We obeyed and we waited and we waited without, without income. God gave us some neat opportunities over the months that were to come our way to provide for our family, but Ultimately, it wasn't long till we started paying the bills with baby money. And after six months of no income, God made it clear as to where we needed to land. And we moved from West Memphis to Washington State. Let me compare these two. I lived in West Memphis for 11 years, so I feel like I've earned the right to say this. West Memphis is like the armpit of the planet. It just is, all right? We moved from there to Washington State, and I'm going to tell you, Washington State is one of the most beautiful places in God's creation. But with that comes a different cost of living, all right? Cost of living between West Memphis and, and Washington at the time, our housing literally more than doubled. Our housing cost more than doubled. And so we moved to Washington. Guess where all the baby money had it was gone. It was gone. It was absolutely gone. But we landed there. We started getting an income. We were going to plant a church, and the church was supporting us. And we were moving forth by faith and obedience and what God had told us to do. And so there we were. And uh, we, we get there, and um, our friend Bobby, who pastored the church that was helping us plant, says, hey, we got to get you signed up for insurance. We're like, yeah, sounds great. Well, at this time, we're seven months pregnant. And he's like, oh, we got to get you on insurance like today. We got to get it on a day. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. We need to get on that. And he said, no, no, you got a baby on the way. We need to get you on the insurance. And I'm like, Bobby, like, what difference is that going to make? We're seven months pregnant. And you know how this insurance stuff works, right? Like, that's not the way it works. Like, if you're already pregnant, you can forget it, even if there is a maternity rider or whatever. He said, no, no, I'm telling you, like, we'll get you on insurance and they'll take care of your baby. I'm like, bro, what have you been smoking? We were in Washington State. Legitimate question. Legitimate question. <laughs> and, and he's like, no, I'm telling you, we, we need to get you on this insurance. And so we get signed up and we get on. And a couple months later, we welcomed our second born into the world. And I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating with you when I tell you that the insurance that we were able to obtain through the state of Washington with all the rules and everything we were able to go through and meet and all the requirements, we did not have to pay one single penny at the birth of our child. When I say not pay one penny, I mean like we didn't even have to pay a deductible. Unheard of. Crazy. Give and you will what? Receive. Okay. We weren't, we weren't out just, you know, throwing our baby money, if you will, out the window. Let's have a party and who cares? We were like, God, this is what you told us to do. We're going to be faithful with it. It's going to cost us the money that we've saved up to have our baby. And we trust you and we trusted him by giving. And in giving, we received. So we're there to plant a church. Sometime previous to this, and there's so many parts of the story that are so cool that I'm refraining just because of time. But sometime prior to um, all of this, probably pushing a couple of years ahead of this, I had a friend of mine that was selling supplemental insurance. 
And he sold me a couple policies, and, and we went through that. And anyway, we remembered that we had this, and so well, we file a claim. We'll probably get a little bit out of it. Great, whatever. And so we filed on our supplemental insurance, and we got two checks in the mail, two. Those two checks, I'm not exaggerating, not making this up, those two checks came in almost to the penny were the amount of money that we had originally saved towards having a baby. You give according to God when he tells you to give, and then he, according to his plan, will allow you to receive. That's just the way it works. It's God's faithfulness, and that's God's, good, that's God's goodness. Give, and you will receive. So guess what we continued to do? We just continued to obey and to give. We didn't give to get. We gave to give, and we trusted God with what he would give us in return. So again, this question, what if? What if giving is the key to breathing room? If giving is the key to breathing room, we've got to lean in as followers of Jesus to this huge, massive, beautiful, glorious idea called giving and generosity. If it is the key, it's where we desperately need to be. I got another really cool story for you. Uh, this one happened this week, and uh, you all get to be involved in this. This is so cool. So I, I, I've got my Bible open. I don't say this to sound spiritual. My Bible's not open 24-7. You know, I don't just read Scripture 25 hours a day. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I do, but, like, it, my Bible was open. I was in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, and I was reading and studying and preparing. And I got a phone call. I got a phone call from uh, a family within our church, and it was just absolutely incredible what they shared with me. Last week... We shared with you the opportunity for you to be a part of what's called Financial Peace University. Uh, anytime we talk about finances in our church, we want to speak with you, speak to you with love and grace and truth and depth. And one of the ways that we're able to do that in a short series like this is offer something else like Financial Peace University. Financial Peace University is going to speak into your life and your finances. Uh, it's going to speak into every area, like setting a budget and staying on a budget. It's going to speak into uh, getting out of debt and staying out of debt. It's going to speak into retirement and everything in between. It's a nine-week course that's just absolutely incredible. Some of you in this room have been through it before, and it will change the course of the direction of your life financially if you are willing to lean into the biblical principles that are taught and apply them to your life over and over and over again. Financial Peace University is not a magic wand that's going to fix all your financial problems just because you show up for nine weeks, but it is a biblically-based teaching on finances that will radically change everything in your life financially if you will apply the biblical principles. And so we're going to kick this off March 31st. We're going to offer it on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. as one of our Sunday classes. Okay, March 31st, 9 a.m., one of our Sunday classes. For some of you, and I may even follow up and say for a lot of you, it's exactly what you need to do next in saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And this is what you need next. We want you to sign up and be a part Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., March 31st. There's a couple holidays. We'll work the schedule out, but Monday morning, excuse me, Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock, uh, going through for 10 weeks. It's just going to be absolutely incredible to speak into your life. We're going to give you uh, specific ways to sign up in the near future. 
I want to go ahead and tell you what the cost of that is. It's per family or per person, however that works for you. It's $100. Now, for some of you in the room, you just got $100 bills just flying out of your pockets everywhere. You just can't keep up with them. They're just everywhere, right? They're everywhere. For the rest of us, we're like, 100 bucks is quite a bit of money. For some of you, 100 bucks is a lot of money. One of the reasons why 100 bucks is a lot of money to some of you is because you have no breathing room whatsoever. Okay? But it's 100 bucks. It'll give you access to all the teaching and all the resources, and it'll actually give you a lifetime access to it. It's what it's going to give. And I'm telling you, if you'll take it, invest in it, and apply it, it will change the direction of your family. It may be the next giving that you need to do towards your family's financial future is you need to invest $100 and say, okay, God, show me what you got. I'm going to do it. So I encourage you on the front end, if you're going to lean into it, you need to go in saying, I'm going to do what God teaches me to do. I'm not going to go in here and see if I agree with it or not or like it or not. I'm just here to tell you there's going to be some things that if you don't have any financial breathing room, you're not going to like some of the things you hear, okay, because you've been doing things your way. So with that being said, we want you to sign up. Cost you 100 bucks. I've never seen this happen before. Maybe you have. It's a new thing for me. I've never seen... God say give and you will receive and tell you what you will receive before you give it but that's what we got going on right now here's how this works this family called me up this week and they said man we want everybody and anybody in our church to be able to experience financial peace university and here's what I thought they were going to say I thought they were going to say hey if somebody can't afford it we'd love to pay for it that'd be great that's not what they said they said hey we want to pay for everybody to go through financial peace university I don't know if four families are going to show up or 40 families are going to show up, so I'm assuming they're prepared. But here's the way this is going to work. If you will be willing give and you will receive. Again, I've never had God tell me, hey, if you give this, this is what you're going to get back. But God decided to do this this time this way. It's pretty cool. It's pretty unusual. I love it. I think it's really, really cool. What else he's got in store for you, I don't know. But here's what I know. When people are willing to give, when you are willing to give, God starts doing things that he would not otherwise do. It unlocks things that are absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Some of you right now are sitting there and you're like, that's exactly what I need to do. And they just remove the obstacle from me from doing it, right? That's the idea. We wanted to remove the obstacles. That's what this family wanted to do. They wanted to remove the obstacles. What if just this room, okay, right now, let's, let's take first service out of the equation. Let's take the folks that couldn't be here today out of the equation. Just this room right here. Just this room of people. What if this room of people right here all found themselves having financial breathing room? You know what I think would happen? I think we'd worship a little bit louder on Sundays. Some of you are distracted. You're like, man, I'm here, and it's good, and music was good, and Kyle was funny there for a second, and he had me, now he's lost me. You know, I mean, all that stuff. you got all kinds of stuff going on here. But some of you are so distracted right now with the bills that you've got to pay that you can't even just worship Jesus with all of your heart because you're like, man, I need to figure it out. i got to come up with more money. i got to figure this out. What if you were disabled to come here with peace flooding over your soul and just, just, just man, just like worship Jesus? So many things would begin to happen in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our friend groups. If just this room found themselves having financial 
breathing room. I want to read a passage of scripture with you that I read last week. It comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through verse 19. And I'll just pause and say this. Is this not cool what we're talking about right now? Like God's talking to us. He's speaking to us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. Other people are already so generous. They want to pay for you to go through Financial Peace University. There's just a heart of generosity in this church that's just absolutely incredible. And I'm just talking about that one family. So many people in this room are generous. That story I told you about giving and God you know, blessing us. Listen, there are stories in this room that can blow that away because there are generous people in this room. It's just so fun when God's people figure out what generosity is. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 17. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Teach those who are rich in this world. If you were here last week, you remember this is that moment that you thought you could check out because you're not rich. And if it's your first time here to hear this verse, you're like, oh, not talking to me because I'm not rich. Odds are, if you're in this room right now, you're rich. I don't have a lot of money. You should check out the rest of the world and realize that you are rich. You may be wasting it all. (laughs) You may be foolish with it, but you are rich. You may not be making as much as your neighbor or who you wish your neighbor was, but you're rich, okay? So here's what it's telling us to do. Teach those. That's what we're trying to do right now. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Let me tell you how money is unreliable. 30 seconds into the game, Wednesday night, big boy takes a hard cut. When he takes a hard cut, his foot comes out of his shoe. When I say comes out of his shoe, I don't mean like slips out of his shoe. I mean like blows a hole out the side of his shoe and foot hits the floor Nike knows what it's like to tell you that money is unreliable. Their shoe blew out. The next day, they lost over 1% on the stock market. Ah, whoop-dee-doo. That was over a billion dollars. So you think you can lose money fast. Other people can beat you, all right? They can beat you. Money is unreliable. Here one day, it's gone the next, Proverbs says. Verse 18. Tell them to use their money to do good. That's us. We should use our money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. Some of you have a heart of generosity. You, you, you have the heart of a giver, but you can't give because you have no financial breathing room. The things that you could do, want to do, can happen if you will find yourself following Jesus with your finances to be a blessing to others. It just can happen. And so many of you in this room who have financial breathing room are choosing to give, and may God bless you as you continue to do that. Verse 19, by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Jesus wants you to experience life now to the fullest. Not the way the world defines that, but the way that he defines that. And I'm here to tell you one of the ways that you can have a ton of fun in your life is by giving to others. You ever be able to bless somebody and they don't know about it and you just kind of get to sit back and watch? It's like the coolest thing ever, you know? And I'll be honest with you. I want to be one of those people one day and make the phone call. Hey, tell everybody at church if they want to take FPU, I'll cover it all. 
How would you like to be that person? Why, why couldn't you be? If you were to simply start trusting God, relying on God, following his plan, and letting him do whatever he wants to do in your faithfulness, he will be more than faithful. I've got a couple next steps for you to consider. Maybe your next step is just to trust God and give. To trust God and give. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know what giving looks like. I don't know where that needs to go or how much that is. Uh, but I just want to encourage you to reach that place and say, God, I trust you with my money. I'll obey you with my money to the point that I will give my money. I trust you with my time to the point that I will give my time. I trust you with my blessings, and I will give my blessings because they all came from you. Trust God and give. For some of you, that means I need to give up 10 Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., and I need to lock in to the teaching that's available through Financial Peace University. I need to pay, give, invest the $100 into my life and my family's life so that we can make an indelible mark on the future of our lives because we're going to start living by biblical principles financially. You need to trust God and give. Next, trust God with my life by receiving Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, Give and you will what? Receive. Check this out for just a second. <laughs> Jesus dies on the cross for our sin. He doesn't stay dead, but he comes back from the dead, right? That, that's the story we've got. That's the one we hang on to. That's the one that we believe and we preach, and it's the reason why we're here today, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And guess what he says? As a result of dying for our sin and coming back from the dead, he says, you know what? You give me your sin, and in return, you will receive my forgiveness and my righteousness. Tell me a better, more incredible, outlandish, beautiful idea ever to be conceived than me give Jesus all of my yuck and all of my muck, all of my sin and all of my junk, all that stuff that I've done that I don't want anybody else to know about, but a lot of you do, and here it is, and I give you that. I give, and in return, I'll receive forgiveness, and I'll receive righteousness. Whoo! Give me a better investment than that. Turn your sin into righteousness through the power of what? Jesus Christ. And if you need him today, well, you need spiritual breathing room. It's only through Christ that you're going to find it, and we offer you Jesus today. Let's pray.